Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside my good friend and host of the Bucks Radio Network, among many other things, including co host of this podcast. It is Justin Garcia, and uh, we are back. I've had a few days off. You might have, people have perhaps been starting to panic a little bit. I mean, it's not often that we go three days without a podcast, but, you know, life, life gets in the way sometimes, and I had a few things come up, and I, I figured, look, if all the Bucks starters are having a night off, I'm going to have a night off as well. So I did, but we are back. Uh, the Bucks road trip will continue in a couple of days in Minnesota, we think. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens with that game there. But before I bring in Justin, today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me later this week to get in on the action. Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. And it's perfect that I've got you here, Justin, because uh, we'll talk about Locker Room a little bit more. But I always say this with the Bucks Twitter and Bucks fans, anyone that listens to this show, they basically dictate what we talk about on this show because we are just trying to extend the thoughts of the fan base, let's say that. So these Locker Room podcasts have been a lot of fun because we have the chat room going, we get the opportunity to bring uh, some listeners on live and they can ask their questions as well. So I know you've joined me for a couple of those, but they've, uh, they've been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, it's been fun to get the instant reaction and questions and especially as things really change. And I, I mean, even as we move towards the end of the season when, you know, depending on where the Bucks are going to end up in the standings or what it looks like down the stretch drive, I mean, we have a chance to be able to see what's unfolding and interact with listeners as that's happening and have a better understanding of where the Bucks are going to be. So one of those conversations that's been sparked that I've certainly take no, taken notice of on Twitter, and I actually tried to, to stay off Twitter a little bit for, for the weekend if it was actually possible for me to do so, but one of the conversations I've seen a lot has been uh, Jordan Wara, who we've seen over the last couple of games against Charlotte and also Orlando. Uh, he has scored 35 points across those two games in 52 minutes, and in general, more of the same from him. We know he can score, but it has sparked a bit of a push from Bucks Twitter in particular to see Jordan Wara take some of the Pat Connaughton minutes. So we're going to dive into that discussion a little bit later on. But as is always the case, the most important conversation to have right now is about Giannis. And we still don't really have an update in regards to what's going on with his knee. We know that he is struggling with uh, some kind of soreness. We've brought this up before, but you know we're not exactly getting any great details from the team. But more than anything, I think that the question I have for you or the conversation I want to have regarding this Bucks team right now is 33 and 20. So they've got 19 games to go until the postseason, which, you know, when you really start to think about that and think that that's only a month away or a few weeks away here from the playoffs starting, we are starting to approach the time where you probably wouldn't want to see him miss too many more games. I mean, I, I think the interesting part about this is the way that the Bucks have used Giannis this year and right from the start said that uh, we want his conditioning to be better than it has been in the past for the postseason. And Giannis admitted that himself. 
Um, with that in mind and the work that they have put in and extending his minutes a little bit, it's less than ideal that he's missing literally the longest stretch in his whole entire career right now, a few weeks out from the playoffs. Yeah, um, it's not great. And, um, you know, so when we do the road games, we it's kind of similar to the bubble where we have a feed of, because we're watching it on monitors, obviously, we have a feed of the court wherever it is that the Bucks are playing, and, and we can see them go through their pregame warm-ups each game. So that's become the thing that I look for now is, okay, we know Giannis is on the injury report, and we know he's listed as doubtful. Uh, I want to see if he's actually out there participating because uh, he was the other night, and we heard from Coach as well, asked by Eric whether or not Giannis went through shoot-around, and he did. So I guess that's encouraging, but I think you know, the frustrating part of it is we don't have access to him when, when he doesn't play, that he's not part of media availability. So, you know, we haven't really gotten clear responses <laughs> from Coach Budenholzer on really what is the knee issue and what is the status of him. It's just, yeah, he's progressing well or he shot around today. So that's what's kind of added to the ambiguity where, you know, we're not able to talk to him. We're not at a practice seeing him go through any types of drills or anything. So you're just kind of in the dark. And I guess on the one hand, you look at it, you say, man, this is a lot that he's headed for missing six consecutive games if he doesn't play against the Timberwolves. But you know, we had talked about this before too. I mean, they have, I want to say there's six back-to-backs that they have left in the second half. So right there, there's six games he's not going to play in. So we're starting to reach the point where, I mean, it may be, I don't know what, like eight, nine, ten at the most games that he plays in for the remainder of this season in the regular season. And I understand the concern, and it's starting to pile up now where it's five, six, potentially more consecutive games that he's out of lineup. But as we've continued to remind ourselves, you're playing for the postseason. So it's just the same conversation we went through with P.J. Tucker as long as they feel like, hey, he's fine, and let's just be – safe rather than sorry I don't see any reason for concern and uh, that's the that's the 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 difficult part is we're not going to know how they feel it and we don't have that interaction that I pointed to so it's it's just how much the Bucks are selling this and coach and and Giannis's teammates because I'm sure those questions are going to start to come up now to the teammates of hey how much of a concern is it that Giannis isn't on the floor and that's another thing that you're going to have to start to deal with so I mean, I'm still to the point where I'm not overly concerned that I choose to be of the mindset that they're just taking it extra cautious with him. But, you know, once we get close to the playoffs and once you start to get to some of these situations where you assume, yeah, I would have thought he would have played in one of these games, that's when you can start to raise an eyebrow. I don't think you can really be worried until he misses a postseason game. But, you know, I just don't know where the end is going to be because – We've already seen, what, five in a row that he's missed now? And beginning with the game on Wednesday, assuming that takes place, I want to say it's 10 games over a 17-day stretch that they're going to have from that point uh, through the end of the month. So that's a lot, where of those 10 games, you would assume he's going to play in five at the absolute most. And then, you know, as we pointed to the back-to-backs that they have left, some of those are at the very end of the season where – things are probably already going to be locked up for those top three teams. So we're starting to reach the point where you may be able to count on two hands the number of games he plays in the remainder of the regular season. 
So I want to talk a bit more about the standings and what it all means right now, because I think we are getting to the point if we're not already there where we can basically lock in where the Bucks are going to finish. And I think it's an interesting idea or conversation to have when you compare how the Bucks appear to be treating this stretch of the season compared to they have in the past. Before I do, I'll talk about locker room a little bit more, but it is because it is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with me, Justin, other fans, athletes, insiders uh, in real time about your favorite team or sport. Like I said at the start, I will be uh, doing another locker room episode of Locked On Bucks Live, if you want to call it that. We've been doing one of these a week. And as I mentioned, Justin's joined me for a couple of those. So uh, you can find fans just like yourself on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. Uh, be sure to join me this week, but all you have to do is download the Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest updates. Follow me at Kane Pittman, and you'll be notified when I go live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live at some point later this week, so I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Bucks. I'll see you there. Locker room changing the way we talk about sports. And then I have to mention our friends over at rockauto.com, which is the family uh, business that's been serving car uh, auto parts customers for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Uh, it's super easy to navigate. I can tell you that. I've been on there. The, the catalog is easy. It's easy to find all the parts you need for your car or truck, particularly if you are a guy that, let's just say, is not a car expert like me. I think, I think it's safe to say I fall into that category. But the best part about it is the prices are the same for me as they would be for the professionals. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just write locked on in the how did you hear about us box today now we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the locked on today podcast host peter Pukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts including us here at locked on bucks so follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So, Justin, as I'm looking at the standings, and we've spent a fair amount of time on this show discussing the merits or the benefits of what the Bucks would get by finishing, particularly with the top seed. And I was on, uh, did a little crossover podcast with the guys over at Locked On Mavs after the game a couple of nights ago, and they asked the question, about the concern if you're a Bucks fan about the potential playoff road. And I said, well, I think it's significant because there is a chance, there is a, a path where the Bucks could have to deal with Miami or Boston in the first round, Philadelphia in the second round, and then Brooklyn in the conference finals. Like that's a legit path that the Bucks might have to take, which of course is terrifying. And if that's the run that you're going to have, I gotta be honest, I'm not sure I like the chances of the Bucks making the NBA finals. I can say that. And Frank tweeted about this the other day, and he was frustrated about the, after a Bucks loss and what that could mean for the seeding implications here. But I do get the sense, and, and maybe I'm wrong, and I've said this with Giannis, that they could probably play him, play him a little bit hurt and play him a little bit sore. Again, we saw him have 47 freaking points against the Portland Trailblazers, despite the fact that he was clearly sore. And I do think in previous years, we may have seen the Bucks do that. And I don't think that that's necessarily 
treating Giannis wrong or putting him through something that he doesn't want to do because we know him well enough to understand that he would be desperate to play. But we've seen the Bucks go hard in the regular season, the last two seasons, and it hasn't worked out. And I think maybe they have just got to the point where they're like, sure, he's a little bit banged up. The other guys have been a bit banged up. We saw during Christmas games, missed the game the other night against Charlotte. And maybe they're just saying, listen, our best chance, regardless of who we're going to have to go through, our best chance of playoff success is getting there healthy. Because when you look at the schedule across the league and the way that the other teams are also suffering significant injuries, I do think more than ever, you are going to need a bit of luck this year in terms of not only the opponents you have, but the health and, and whoever can manage their bodies to get to the playoffs in best shape is going to have a bit of an advantage. I, I, I don't think that that's an over-the-top exaggeration to make. Yeah, I know uh, one of the last times we talked, I, I don't know, up until maybe a week, two weeks-ish ago, I was still of the mindset of, well, it's, it's two and a half, three games, somewhere in that range. You have four games left against those two teams. So of you know all the teams that have been in that spot, because I understand the, the logic and just the math of, you know, it may not seem like a lot, but that's a lot to make up in a span of 20 games that you need to outperform that team by three games in that stretch, which is really asking a lot. So um, I, within the last week to 10 days, have started to kind of feel like, you know, I think they're kind of settled into this spot. And based off the reaction that we got from Coach Budenholzer as well, I want to say it was after the Hornets game, where he was basically asked about that. And his response was kind of what you just went through of, well, we're not really concerned. You, you got to beat good teams in the playoffs anyway. So it's, it's kind of, you know, a moot point to go through, well, what if we do this? And, and if you do this, it means you can avoid these. And, and you know, whenever you go through that, it seems like it can come back to bite you. So I'm, I'm kind of in the other camp now where it's, you know, I would almost prefer them take this stance and just say, rather than pushing to see if we can win the East, which is a very, very slim chance at this point, and even when it was two and a half or three, uh, still a very slim chance, rather than pushing for that, because it means you have to sweep those four games against those two teams. So rather than pushing for that, let's just make sure we're healthy and who knows, maybe Brooklyn can win the East because I think everybody would say you'd much rather play Philly in the second round. But, you know, to Coach Budenholzer's point, there's no easy path in the playoffs. So you're going to have to go through good teams anyway. And I don't think it's going to be quite like the level that, you know, we've seen with some other teams that have dealt with massive injuries in the past, and especially teams that are nowhere near as talented. But it is worth pointing out, if you do draw the Brooklyn Nets, it could still be a very interesting series that you have there. Where number one, I mean, Brooklyn as the two seed, let's say they may have Miami or Boston in the first round. And even then, I mean, you could make a case, albeit small, but you could make a case of, you know, maybe we're better off playing Brooklyn in the second round than in the conference finals when they've had more time on the court together and more of a chance to gel. Because everything we're talking about with the Bucks the Nets have gone through that all season long where they haven't really had those three guys on the court at the same time. So, you know, maybe you do want to catch them earlier rather than later while they're still working through those things. Yeah, Miami right now, 
are playing some pretty damn good basketball anyway. And it's, it's interesting to see. I mean, they've had a lot of interruptions through the season. Jimmy Butler's missed a ton of games. Bam Adebayo's missed a bunch as well. Um, but uh, they do seem to be getting healthy at the right time of year. And again, I mean, we just keep coming back to that. A lot of this is going to be timing this season. But Milwaukee, they're three and a half games back of the number one seed. Now, of course, if they caught the Nets, which seems unlikely. They're three games behind. I mean, the difference in the second round series would be home court. I mean, that's, I guess, what you would be playing for. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know at this point if I would be willing to say, okay, yeah, let's play all our stars on back-to-backs and make sure everyone's out there on the floor just for the sake of home court in that series. I think you're going to have to be pretty damn good to win it regardless of that. And they're four and a half games clear of Atlanta in the four seed. So, you know, I would be pretty shocked with 19 games to yeah. go if anything changed there at all. It does appear that the Bucks are locked into the three seed, so it is worth watching who sits in the six. Currently, it's Charlotte, but they are uh, tied in, in terms of how far they are back of the, of the one seed there um, with Boston, and then, and then the Knicks are only half a game back there. Yeah. So, again, you, you, you might get the three seed and you might get the Knicks or the Hornets in the first round, and all right. of a sudden you feel great about that. But there is a chance it's Boston or Miami, which you'd probably have a bit more anxiety about. It would be great, but I, I do think it's going to be one of those three of Charlotte, Boston, or the Knicks that, you know, I, I just continue to be amazed at the job that uh, JB has done in Charlotte and how they've continued to stick around despite losing all these guys. They're not going to drop out of the top eight, I wouldn't think. Um, but I, I just don't see them finishing in the top five. So I think one through five is pretty much locked in right now, not necessarily in that order, but I think that's those are the five teams that are going to be at the top of the East. And I think the Bucks and the Nets are probably going to have the same approach to the last, what, like two or so weeks of the season where it's, it's going to be, I know the Bucks have, I want to say three back-to-backs in the close to the season in May. So I think both of those teams are going to treat it the same way where it's, you're not really going to see much. They're going to rest guys every other day and they're probably just going to tread water, but they have enough of a gap between themselves and then four and lower that they're going to stay at two and three. All right, let's get to the Pat Connaughton and Jordan Wara conversation. Uh, Before I do one last little note there, I did see someone tweet this and I I can't remember who did it, but they did tweet that uh, the the Hawks are in the mix there for a potential six seed and having the Bucks first Bogdanovich in the, in the first round would, I'm, I'm sure uh, there would be some some media attention brought about on that series and perhaps that would not be what the Bucks would be after in the first round there. But the Hawks have been playing pretty well uh, since they changed their coach and uh, brought on Nate McMillan as well. Okay, before we get to Jordan War, let's talk about betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, but NBA, college basketball, NHL, not college basketball. This is the, I got to update this. But the NHL and baseball are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can find real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Uh, just head to the website or use your mobile device today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of uh, what what went down in March Madness four days a week from credentials draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So I, I've said this before, and I think it's true, and particularly probably for 
Bucks fans that I just don't think have had a lot of young players or new fresh faces to be able to get excited about. And obviously Dante's been a guy that has been thrust into a pretty prominent role. So with that comes some pressure. And I've said it again before, I think some unwarranted criticism of his game and considering the role he's playing in this team. But as is always the case across the league, when you have young guys and in particular rookies that aren't getting minutes on the floor, there is this intrigue or wants from the fans to get those guys in the game. Now, I, I tweeted the other day about Jordan Wara, Sam Merrill, and Diakite as well. The fact that for the first time in a long time, it feels like the Bucks have multiple rookies. Or I, I, I don't want to call them young because they're not super young, but rookies on the roster that have intriguing NBA, I guess, uh, characteristics that you could see down the line that potentially they would be an interesting role player in the league. Now, again, these guys are all older. How much room they have for development, we're not really sure. It's always very difficult to get these guys minutes when they are playing on a team that's trying to contend. That's right, that's, uh, right across the board. That's just the way it works. But given the salary cap situation in Milwaukee and where they're going to be in the next few years, um, they would certainly be hoping that one of these guys translates into a rotation player. And at this point, I think the guy that we've seen the most from and the guy that's got the most opportunity is Jordan Wara, which again, as I mentioned right off the top, 35 points in his last two appearances, 52 minutes. So he's got real court time in his last two games. And I would suspect that he's probably going to continue to get a few minutes with the Bucks having a few guys out here. Uh, that has brought about some... Um, some thoughts and some feelings online that he should be a guy that should be getting minutes ahead of Pat Connaughton. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen it too. And I would say this, um, I, uh, I think there's a difference in Bucks fans having players that you can be excited over younger guys versus seeing excitement for younger guys from all of us here because we've right. definitely seen it, whether it was Dante or DJ Wilson, uh, Christian Wood. It was Mamadi Diakite for a hot stretch earlier this year, and then fans kind of dumped him and now, now moved on to Jordan Wara. <laughs> and as you brought up too, I mean, <laughs> those guys, yes, they're young in terms of comparative to this roster, but I, they're 22, 24, and 24, I think. So Sam Merrill and Mamadi are the same age as Dante DiVincenzo. So young-ish, but not necessarily these guys are really young. And let's work with them. It is more intriguing in terms of their prospects than you know anything short of Dante that we've seen come through here for the last, what, five, six, or more years. I'm intrigued by Jordan Wara, and I have been from the start. I do uh, just his release and his shooting ability. And, you know, he thought he was the best shooter in the draft when we talked with him after the selection. You saw a lot of uh, scouting reports on him that basically said the same thing, that we know that's a trait he brings. So you've definitely seen the offense in these stretches that he's played, and it's easy to get tantalized by. But it is a two-way sport. And, look, it's not necessarily a knock on Jordan that, I don't know that we can expect him to be very good at the NBA level on the defensive end quite yet when he is a rookie and he plays a front court position, which is always tougher to transition very early in your career than it is as a guard. And he just hasn't had a whole lot of minutes, even through the G League experiment where Wisconsin heard we're a part of it. And we saw Mamadi and Sam Merrill get some minutes. Jordan Wara was going to, and then suffered that ankle injury. So it's been tough for him, but 
I think we need to cool it on the, hey, Jordan Warren needs to get minutes over Pat Connaughton. I'm fine with giving him these reps in the regular season, and especially in these moments where, as we said, you're probably just playing to preserve your health and realize we're going to be three. Fine. Play Jordan Warren and let him try to build on some things that he's starting to figure out out there. But, you know, it's not going to happen for a team that is in contention to win a championship and has those type of aspirations. We're not going to see him in the playoffs. And he shouldn't be getting minutes ahead of Pat Connaughton. That Pat Connaughton plays because of his defense. And, you know, if you're going to have a conversation over who should take minutes away from Pat in the postseason, if anybody should, it's somebody else that's on the roster that plays the same spot as Jordan Wara, I think, at this point in Thanasis. But I, we should not expect to see Jordan Wara in the postseason at all. Yeah, just looking at the numbers on cleaning the glass, and Pat Connaughton last year, uh, the Bucks weren't good. When, he's on uh, and off-court numbers weren't good last year. In fact, his uh, net rating there was minus 10 last year. Uh, obviously, that was with the Bucks starters that were just absolutely insane during last year's regular season. So it's perhaps a little bit unfair there. But this year, he's been a positive player. The offense is at 2.1 points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor. And I think when we talk about Pat Connaughton, we, we should at least acknowledge that there's a couple of guys on the Bucks roster this year, and certainly the coach is included in this conversation, where they can't really win. There's, there's not a lot that Pat Connaughton could have done to get in the good books with a, a, a big percentage of the fans. I'm not, I'm not saying everyone, but a big percentage of the fans because of the way the contract went down. It was a confusing situation. Um, people certainly believe that he was overpaid for his role, but he has been a guy over the course of his time in Milwaukee that has just been a really solid role player. And they had him for under $2 million the last two seasons this year. That's been bumped up a little bit, but I think that he's, he's shooting in particular has meant that that has worked out really well. It's hard for me to knock Pat Connaughton across the course of this season. Now it will be interesting to watch his three point shooting because if he is a guy that is going to shoot 38% in the playoffs, then that really matters. And that's where he's at so far this season. But across the last 10 games, he's down to 28% and he has really struggled. Now, the, the thing that people will point to when with Pat defensively is the fact that he closes out and ends up in the third row at least a couple of times a game. Like, he's always done that. Like, he goes for the huge block. We know that. We know that at times it's it's undisciplined and really unnecessary on those closeouts. Like, he doesn't need to do that, and it can lead to a wide-open threes, not necessarily from that player, but on a ball swing or easy layups or dunks. And it, and it, it really puts the defense in a bad position when he does that. Happy to acknowledge that. But I think offensively, the question that I would ask with Pat Connaughton and Jordan Wara, who you know you kind of hinted to, Jordan hasn't really shown anything defensively that makes me believe that he could be a playoff rotation player. But what he does do offensively and why I can see there being a scenario where he ends up getting minutes is the fact that is, is the type of shots that he takes. So Pat Connaughton, we know the fact that he shot 38% from three is fantastic on the season. But 164 of his three-point attempts, 164 of his 181 three-point attempts have been classed as uh, open or wide open. And 174 out of his 181 attempts have been catch and shoot. And I do think that that's the difference between these two players. If Pat Connaughton is going through a real shooting slump in the playoffs, well, you might say, okay, let's see what Jordan's got. Because if there's one thing we know that he can do, it's shoot off the dribble a little bit, which come playoff time, I can guarantee you, if Pat Connaughton isn't shooting the ball well, he can shoot wide open threes all day long because they're not going to care about him at all. And last year against Miami, 
in that series, he was, he only, it was only a super small sample, but he was one for seven, 14% from three. And as much as everyone focuses on the defense over the last couple of years in the playoffs, I've been pretty strong the whole time that they've just got to be able to hit threes because the open threes are going to be there more than ever in the postseason when the opposition tries to shut down uh, Giannis. So I, I, don't think, I don't think he's going to come into the rotation. I certainly don't expect that he's going to play ahead of Pat. But if you're someone that wants to see Jordan Moore play, I, I can see that's a scenario where Butt will say, okay, we need someone that can knock down a shot. Let's see what he's got. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I could see that. And, I, you know, it also kind of hinges on if they do anything with that final roster spot. And, yeah. uh, you know, I know Jeff Teague, or Jeff Teague is there now, but I know like a guy like Austin Rivers, if, if he does in fact come in, and I know there's now reports that he's have other teams that's interested in, but if they fill out that other roster spot with something like that, that's another spot where potentially that could be the guy that squeezes minutes away from Pat Connaughton in those stretches. The, the shooting for Pat and for everyone is going to be huge in the postseason because that, that series against the Heat, I mean, Chris played well-ish. Brooke Lopez, which has kind of been the story the last two runs in the playoffs, Brooke has played very well. But outside of that, the Bucks didn't really get a whole lot in that series. So you do need somebody that's going to hit those open shots. That is where Jordan Wara seemingly would help you out. But I still just have a hard time seeing the way that these guys have been used this year and just knowing how much Coach Budenholzer, again, loves defense. And that's the first thing we always hear spoken of. I just have a hard time seeing him go away from Pat Connaughton or Thanasis at Adekumpo in those minutes. And with Pat, the other interesting thing is he's played very good this year that yeah, you know it absolutely. was okay to to raise an eyebrow at the contract and say really what are we i'm not sure there was quite a market for him to to warrant this type of deal but he's lived up to it so far this season and i think it's interesting that his usage has been down that it's it's kind of similar and i didn't look so a bad job by me to see how it compares to where it was his first year in milwaukee but just off the eyeball test it feels similar to his first year here where last year with some of those changes, you know, I know you still had George Hill and Dante, but you were asking more of Pat Connaughton off the bench in terms of, we need some more offense from you opposed to how it was the year before where he was kind of in and out trading off minutes and usage with Dante early on in the season. And then finally carved out a spot on that team where he wasn't used quite as much. We've kind of seen the same thing this year where early on in the season, Bobby Portis, was your main bench score. We saw some big games from Brent Forbes and we've seen the starters just used a whole lot more that I think that's a big reason why he's been much more efficient on offense this year. But it is also interesting that, you know, throughout his time in Milwaukee, it's been basically 50, 50 of shots that are three pointers and shots where Pat is just cutting and attacking the rim. And that, you know, ladder category has really plummeted this year where it's basically all threes that he's taking. Yeah, I think they like him in the offense this year when they have introduced that guy in the dunker spot and more avenues for guys to cut. We've seen Giannis be super patient and Pat is one of the best cutters in the team and he can finish at the basket. Obviously, he can dunk. But the other thing that the Bucks really love about Pat Connaughton is he's rebounding from the guard position and he's always hitting the offensive glass and he, he averages one offensive rebound uh, per game, which is pretty remarkable for a guard as well. And he's only playing 20, uh, 23 minutes per game. So yeah, I mean, I, I again mentioned it at the top but I do think that Pat unfairly has been criticized 
based on stuff that happened in the, in the offseason. But overall, I think he's been pretty good. Again, I do. I, I am really intrigued with Jordan Wara and Sam Merrill and Diakite, all of them. And if you get one of them that pans out to a rotation play, that would be a huge win because let's be honest, you're talking about the 45th pick, the 60th pick, and a guy that was undrafted. So uh, typically, you're not getting a rotation player from those selections, but I think that they picked those guys strategically with the skill sets that they have, the fact they're a little bit older and a little bit more mature, and they are looking beyond this year as well with those guys, which is, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to think about perhaps next year uh, they're guys that could come in and, and take those minutes there. But it's an interesting conversation that's come up. I don't think this late or this close to the playoffs we're going to see any major changes to, ro- to the rotation. You pointed to the fact that perhaps there's a final roster spot that's get t- that gets taken up. I've had a few people ask me over the weekend. It does feel like the Austin Rivers stuff has really died down, but we'll see. There's still time. There's still a few weeks here. Yeah, and you know, I guess the last thing I would say too on all of those young guys is um, <laughs> I don't want to come off as too negative on them because I am very yeah. intrigued. And yeah. as you said, they're in a much better spot than they have been in recent years where they at least have not just one guy that you're kind of attaching your hopes to, but they have three guys that have all kind of shown you something. And, you know, in the case of Sam and Jordan, it's pretty similar. In Mamadi, it's on the defensive end, but everything else that Mamadi brings as well. So they're in a much better spot in terms of that and really developing young talent than they've been in years. And again, like we both said, I mean, I'm not expecting any of these guys to be major contributors and it's not a knock on them. It's just how difficult it is to do that as a second round pick, especially for a team that already kind of has all of their roles carved out and is hopefully playing for a championship. You're just not going to come in and, and take over and, and earn those big minutes. I mean, what Malcolm Brogdon did was a rarity. And that was also a team that was in a much different spot than this current team. So it's not that, you know, either of us are negative on them, that we're both intrigued by all three of these guys. It's just understanding what their role is likely going to be for a team that's hoping to go deep into the postseason. And just as we are finishing up recording here, um, just to make any Bucks fans potentially feel a little bit better about what happened last week, Steph Curry, I think, has 50 points in under 30 minutes first Denver tonight. So he's, uh, he's doing that thing again where he goes pretty crazy. And when we spoke about potential matchups or scary first-round matchups, those teams out in the West, uh, they might be facing the Lakers, but they might also be facing Steph Curry. And the team might also be facing Zion Williamson, who is just on an absolute tear right now as well. So these playoffs are going to be uh, pretty scary. But the Bucks. I think they're still chilling in Florida. I think they're getting some sun. I think they might be making the trip to Minneapolis tomorrow ahead of the game that uh, we think is going to go ahead on Wednesday night. But we'll have another pod tomorrow where we can uh, give any update there. And I think at some point, we've got to have a Bud pod because there's been so much talk about Bud this year that I think at some point we need to do that. So stay tuned for that. But as always, let us know. If you have any comments from today's show about the Jordan Wara discussion about Giannis Knee, are you concerned about the standings? All those topics, hit us up at Locked On Bucks or at Kane Pittman. And, and Justin, I mean, of course, hit Justin up on Twitter as well. I did, what, what, TMJ, TMJ Garcia, is that right? That's correct. And you know what? It, it wouldn't be an appearance for me if I didn't try to squeeze something in as you're trying to wrap mm-hmm. up too. But when you say you had to avoid Twitter over the weekend, was it to avoid the spoilers from WrestleMania? Because I was going through that during the game on Sunday. Well, I didn't actually watch WrestleMania, I'm going to be honest. I really struggled to watch wrestling these days. But I'll tell you what I did watch. I watched the, uh, the Chris Jericho mm. Stone Cold. Uh, yeah, I did. I saw that this morning. 
that was that was fantastic. That's tremendous. Yeah, I love that. That's that's my type of era of wrestling. There's no doubt about that. I watched that and I wished it honestly went for it went for two hours, I think, and I wished it went for like another two hours. That's how much I enjoyed that. I thought the same thing where you like you looked up and you realized, holy cow, this has been like two hours and fifteen minutes. I don't know how they went blind drunk, by the way. But anyway, I always <laughs> I, I always think that when I watch the Stone Cold podcast. But anyway, maybe we could, maybe we're gonna do locked on Stone Cold at some point. But uh, for now, like I said, we'll be back tomorrow in the lead up to the Bucks road trip continuing. But for Justin and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll catch you guys tomorrow.